8 to 10 p.m. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. The Viewpoint with Ashraf Gada. I'm tempted to say calling all Zimbabweans like... So if you're the Zimbabwean, great, you're listening already. If you if you know somebody who's a Zimbabwean who's missing out on the show, well, they should never miss the show anyway. But I would strongly suggest you call them or WhatsApp them now to say, hey, they're talking about our president, because that's exactly what's happening. For the next hour, our big hitter is is a journalist, in fact, Ray Indlovu. But very importantly, he just put together a book, and it's a fascinating title alone. You buy just for the title in the jaws of the crocodile. We'll find out who exactly is in the jaws of the crocodile. Of course, a reference to the president of Zimbabwe now, Emerson Mnangagwa. So for the next uh, 50 minutes, uh, our big hitter is Ray Indlovu. You can connect on air, 0891-104207. If you are tweeting, as always, hashtag SFM Viewpoint. Uh, then you tag me, Ashraf Garda, tag SFM Radio. You'll also, you can tag uh, Ray because you'll pick up his uh, name on my timeline too. And uh, WhatsApp voice notes, welcome, 0614-104107. 0614-104107, that's the number you need to say that number. The last thing is just SMSs, 40938, 40938. So, Ray, good chatting to you and thanks for... Um, well, agreeing to be our big hitter for the night. Thank you for having me, Ashraf. Good. Now, yours is unusual because, in fact, you're the big hitter. And we're talking about the other big hitter. Or in, in, in South African politics, we had we had a, a politician called the Khruat Crocodile, the big crocodile. But we'll talk about another crocodile. And that's your crocodile from Zimbabwe, right? Yeah, Emerson Nangago is the crocodile. That's his nickname. And um, I use that in terms of lending to the title of the book and the jaws of the crocodile in reference to him uh, as he's known as the mm. crocodile. What, where did he get that nickname? Well, that's a nickname that is uh, emanated uh, mainly from his involvement in what is known as the Crocodile Gang, and it's a name that has stuck onto him as well. And uh, he's uh, also, you recall that uh, in Zanu PF, uh, famously there was a, they, there was a faction called the Lacoste mm. uh, faction, which uses the symbol of you know they really the crocodile, you know. Okay, wow. So that's sort of like that moniker has, has just stuck onto him and is referenced and known as uh, the crocodile. So so is it also not that he and I'm talking of the period beforehand that he was this ruthless politician it has all those connotations uh, ruthless vicious uh, politician in terms of within the Zimbabwean landscape um, so all these things are put together and that's uh, the man that uh, uh, is known uh, you know as the crocodile okay well there you are now you put together this book I, I find it interesting on your um, I'm looking at your Twitter timeline and there's a picture of you with the president uh, now it's interesting because I, I would think uh, often enough when you put together a book, then the then the author and the president stop talking to each other because for the book to sell, it, it needs to have a lot of exposés. Uh, does that suggest that actually you you're supportive of him? That you you're like thumbs up, sweet, and he likes what you've written? No, it doesn't. It also just anything of that sort. Um, as a person that had interviewed early February and uh, end February, early March, uh, it was only a courteous gesture on my part as the author of the book to then go back and say, you know, that interview that you participated in, um, I've put together my book. Here's my book. I uh, hope, uh, you know, you, you, you'll take time to read it. And uh, when I did give him just a brief uh, uh, encounter, I think for probably about five minutes, he was out on his way to Zambia. Mm-hmm. And he stopped in the corridors and said, oh, okay, you know, thank you for, for, for coming to give me a copy. So I don't know what the feedback is within the corridors of power in Arara in terms of whether he's actually read the book and what his impressions and views are. 
And and so you don't know. Not no, I don't know. I have would no. You, would you want to know? Would you would you ask him or through? His, do you have access to him through the office or directly say? Well, what do you think of the book? Well, I can ask uh, his uh, spokesperson, uh, George Haramba, to find out, you know, in terms of what their views are. But at the moment, I've got, uh, you know, no uh, communication okay. with himself, with his office. Is, is there anything, and we'll talk about some of the key things in the book, but is there mm. anything that, that he would feel uncomfortable having read it? I think the main thing which obviously keeps coming up uh, whenever you talk about Emerson Langakwa for me uh, is always around the issue of Kukurahundi yeah. that uh, while the book itself is not a biography of him and it's limited to the narrative of November because remember that's when the military coup took place in Zimbabwe that you know brought down Robert Mugabe and then one year ago yeah. exactly mm-hmm. almost inching a year ago and then we saw his elevation into power um, I think those are the that that is the main thing which um, you know uh, the book tries to focus on but uh, there is mention again of uh, you know that uh, issue of Kurahundi which is there and still needs to be unpacked in depth in terms of you know finding out what was his role where mm. where how where and how was he involved and how how difficult is it writing about about that phase where you know that the crocodile may well be if not offended then furious i think it's something which is there in zimbabwe's history there's no attempt to whitewash it or to uh, sanitize it. It's a chapter which is in Zimbabwe's history that needs to be confronted, more so by himself as the current head of state and uh, the leader of Zimbabwe. And given his gestures and his indications that he wants to open up the country, uh, he needs more than anything else at all, you know, to be seen moving that direction and uh, winning over people uh, who feel or are grieved by uh, the fact that there's been no conversation around what took place uh, in the in the mid 1980s? Lots to talk about. Certainly, your thoughts are indeed welcome. In in your other life, I and mean, besides being an author, you 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 write for the what is it called? The Sunday Times, right? Yeah, Sunday Times. In, uh, um, the same the Sunday, paper in our country. Yeah, yeah, the same Sunday Times here in South Africa. It's just a different uh, edition, the Zimbabwe edition of the Sunday Times in Zimbabwe. We basically we have Zimbabwean news, uh, a couple of pages that carry Zimbabwean stories uh, in terms of uh, you know making relevant to to readers within okay. the Zimbabwean landscape. Let's then talk about what so. Just just about a year. We're on the 31st of October. What happened in Zimbabwe one year ago? Well, what transpired is something I think not many people, uh, you know, imagined would take place. Uh, we saw Zanopia factions really jostling against each other. And there were two main factions, G40, which was Generation 40, uh, basically a group or, or, or a side that uh, was in support of um, of uh, the former president, Robert Mugabe. Right. Mm. And we have the Lacoste that I already had mentioned, which uh, was uh, siding with uh, Emerson Nangakwa. And uh, things came to a head, uh, basically, and that's where the book begins uh, in explaining and, uh, you know, looking at uh, a rally that transpired, uh, that took place rather in Bulawayo on the 4th mm. of November, where Grace Mugabe, who had morphed into a very powerful uh, political figure, was booed and heckled by supporters of Emerson Nangakwa. And the threat is issued there by... Uh, uh, the former president Robert Mugabe to say if I made a mistake I'm going to fire Emerson Nangagwa and you know he's very angry and visibly upset by the fact that his wife was booed in public mm. and um 
48 hours later, Robert Mugabe uh, stands by his word and fires Emerson Nangako. And, you know, it uh, is the beginning of uh, what is a very dramatic uh, uh, three weeks in Zimbabwe and that eventually leads to mm. the Mugabe's, Mugabe well, being forced it, what, to resign. What do you think with hindsight, if, if it did not fire Nangako, what would have happened? I think it would still have been a very difficult uh, um a very difficult position within Zanu PF for for given the the tensions that were there within the party at the time something just had to give one way or the other um, either Emerson would have been fired or uh, the approaching Congress that was uh, going to take place in December of that year you know would have perhaps seen some nasty surprises either um, Nangako trying to challenge him uh, for for the for the presidency or something of that sort I mean now it's really so you, don't, you don't think uh, that means this may have quickened it but you don't think it would have actually you know he would have just continued as normal I think I think there would have been, like I'm saying, a lot of tensions. It would have been a very uneasy um, uh, piece within ZANU-PF uh, because we saw basically as well Grace Mugabe making uh, strong statements at the time to say, reminding Emerson Nangako to say, remember the position that you're occupying belonged to the Women's League before and we want it, we're going to take it, you know. So those were very bold and daring okay. threats. And wow. we, there was likely the likelihood of definitely a showdown of sorts. Of course, uh, we, coming, we think uh, in South African terms that when you think about the ruling party, the ANC, and to even consider that they've got differences of opinions would be unthinkable. And the reality is they exist, so there could well be parallels even with our country. 0891104207, my guest is Ray in Global, who's put together a book called In the Jaws of the Crocodile. It's, it's very much telling the story of, um, well, Zimbabwe with, of course, Manangagwa and, uh, and former President Mugabe central, I would think, to all of this. But it's about that period of change from exactly a year ago to then confirmation of a new president and then an elected president that happened, what, I think July 29 or 30th, so just a few months ago. Tweets welcome, hashtag SFM Viewpoint. And uh, don't forget that WhatsApp voice note. Now, if you want to just do a quick voice note, it's 0614-104-107. The show is called The Viewpoint. I'd like to know yours. We saved 22% on the cost of this radio ad by recording it on a cell phone with no music, no sound effects, no producer, no fuss. You could also save up to 22% on your life insurance premiums by going direct to One Life. No paperwork, no medicals, and no increasing your premiums for 24 months. Plus, if you get an obligation-free quote now before the 9th of December 2018, you stand a chance to win your share of 100,000 Rand. SMS Life to 44143. One Life. Changing lives. SMS rates and T's and C's apply. One Life is a trusted, authorized FSP. It is not just any race. It is the historical tour of Soweto. The People's Race. The old mutual Soweto Marathon. A movement greater than yourself. Be part of this action on SABC Sport. Tune in to SABC One and your favorite SABC radio station on Sunday, the 4th of November, 2018 at 5.30am from the FNB Stadium. The People's Race. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. At SAFM Radio and at Ashraf Gada on Twitter. So Grace Mugabe, in many ways, central to what then happened afterwards. Uh, my guest, Ray in Global, the big hitter for the night, author of In the Jaws of the Crocodile. You need to get it. Just quick one, the, the, the book available now in South Africa? Yes, the book is very much available in South Africa, exclusive books. CNA have uh, copies of the book on sale. Okay, we'll talk about that as well. Right, so give us a story. So, so that was the first, 
Was that the first time that, that ZANU-PF were effectively at war with each other? No, that was not the first time. Uh, the background to this story emanates as, uh, you know, there's always been that history of fights and mm. tensions. But very recently, we saw that as well in 2014 with the ouster of uh, the former Vice President Joyce Mujuru. Yeah. So there seems to have been a similar pattern when you compare uh, what took place then in December 20, or rather in, in the head up to, to the December Congress of 2014 and what was transpiring ZANU-PF at the end of last year. So that is a feature which has been quite strong, you know, in terms of the succession politics in Zimbabwe over the last four years. Uh, one faction, you know, riding over another, you know, trying to make sure that they at least have some sway in terms of um, determining who takes over or who at least succeeds uh, Robert Mugabe. Because remember, again, last year he was 93 years old and uh, he would have been 94 mm. had he been still in office and um, you know, that was quite... What's, a, what's your understanding? Why, why did he stay on so long? Well, one of the things is he's always maintained that as long as the people want him there, you know, he would remain and continue, you know, and he had the support of uh, of people within ZANU-PF and also the people that were aligned to him. So that has been a feature and there are many dynamics as well, you know, to say how how was he able to stay in power for, for so long. But I think one of the, the things that he has, was very much, you know, vocal about in the last years of Mugabe was to say, look, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm going to stay for as long on as people want me to be in office. And do, do you think then with hindsight, it has actually, it has, it has damaged his legacy? And I say that just, just park the two sides because there's, there's one legacy, especially if you're Great Britain, you would think it was damaged a long time ago. But, but let's just say that, that if the majority of Zimbabweans were supportive of him, let's just make that assumption. Has his overextended stay uh, damaged his legacy? Compared to, you know, I'm not saying retire like Mandela after one term, no, but, but let's say even maybe three, four years ago. If he had stepped I, I, I mean, I think uh, there's definitely strength to that argument to say, um, you know, he's overstayed. I mean, it's also, I think it's a proverb or something to that effect that says a good dancer, you know, knows when to leave the stage. You know, he's a founding father of Zimbabwe. He should have made, uh, you know, uh, some sort of maneuvers to say, look, I've had enough. I know you still want me to stay in office, but I think it's time to rest. Uh, we've seen that in, mm. in terms of within the region, you know, certain uh, founding fathers as well stepping aside and there was nothing which was going to be a miss he also followed that same uh, the same uh, path uh, that Absolutely, was already said yeah. yeah well i i know you said that that he said and i'll get to you safuri in just a second i know you said that he said he'll stay because people want him to stay but but is that the real reason what's your understanding well or, or was he driven by this incredible appetite to be in power forever the tensions which were there in zanu pf at the time in terms of the factions that were jostling uh, against each other you know back in in, in 20 in 2017 suggest that you know their people as well were benefiting from the prolonged stay of mugabe in power and uh, he may perhaps have said he wants to step us step down in, in 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 closed doors we don't know that you know but there are definitely people around him who were enjoying the fact that he's staying on and uh, there were we're going to be, you know, uh, at least a ben benefiting from that. So it's something, you know, there's a lot of dynamics at play with, with regards okay, to that. That's interesting because, of course, I mean, there would be cabinet ministers are close to the president. New person comes in. As has happened, you, you effectively get a clean sweep. Yeah, you definitely, Absolutely. you know, you lose, uh, you know, access to the state levers of power. Well, there you are. Let's get some calls. Sefuri on the line. You're, you're opening the innings today, Sefuri. Hi. Evening, Ashraf and your guests. Good talking to you, as always. Go ahead. You know, this is a proof that in politics, there are no permanent friends. 
Yeah. Ask me why. You know Ashraf. I, I'm expecting you to tell us why, so go I'm ahead. bringing in <laughs> Joyce Mujuru. Yeah. She was the deputy president. I think with one of the guys, I wonder if ever it was the same Mnangagwa. Uh, 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 right. And by then, Grace Mugabe was against Joyce Mujuru, and they were in the same boat with Mnangagwa, and they got rid of Joyce Mujuru. The death of Joyce Mujuru husband Solomon Mujuru. There's been a process of elimination for the successor to Robert Mugabe. And we shouldn't be surprised because in politics, there are no permanent friends. Well, we've, we've quoted that now. No permanent friends in politics. Thanks for that call. You may want to respond to that, uh, Ray? Yeah, I think the feature basically, uh, I've already mentioned this in terms of the fact that mm. uh, this has been taking place succession politics and factional politics has been at play for the past four years and uh, it starts most recently with Joyce Mujuru who we thought was a shoe in and almost mm. uh, you know going to be the first female uh, uh, president of Zimbabwe yeah. but uh, lo and behold you know at the, almost the 11th hour she gets uh, kicked out and uh, she leaves on PF and then we have a new faction emerging uh, Emerson Nangakwa takes over that position that Joyce Mujuru enjoyed and uh, as vice president and uh, we thought you know now it appears as if so there's a lot of uh, volatility there's mm. a lot of movement within the political space within Zimbabwe is, there, is that disappointment in Zimbabwe now that that a female is is not the president of the country I, I think there are quarters within the country that definitely uh, you know feel that there there is a gap or there's a need to have a female a president mm. um, you know but to what extent they are the majority you know I can't I can't uh, comment around those issues but I think there was expectation or or at the time you know it appeared as if it was heading that way but uh, now we have someone uh, who is not uh, uh, you know a female who's taken over okay. and so now interesting you, you said that you know what happened almost a year five days from now i think it is uh, set in motion this process where suddenly mugabe is out uh, having fired Menangag um, when he comes back as the president of the country but you already said that things would have it would have happened anyway right but but let me flip it around if Menangagwa didn't get fired do you think he would have been the president meaning ha- has the the currency of being a victim for the crocodile catapulted him into power it played a part uh, being a victim because there were months before what transpired in Blawayo there were uh, public rallies uh, basically where Zanu PF was going out on the campaign trail mm. and where Grace Mugabe was uh, uh, issuing a volley of insults uh, against people that were perceived to be very close to Nangagwa and then ultimately it shifted gear and it began to be direct attacks on Nangagwa and his person and remember he was uh, uh, seen as the leader of this faction within Zanu PF and the the attacks became more intense they became you know more directed directly you know uh, straight on at him and it it divided uh, watchers of this uh, in terms of the Zimbabwean mm. political landscape. Some, you know, they looked at this and said, wow, you know, this has gone way, way too far. And they began to sympathize with Nangako. And again, there were some, again, who uh, were itching to say, let it continue, you know, because he's a crocodile. He's known as a crocodile. And I, and I 
posed mm. this in the book to say there was a question to say why is Mnangako not responding? Is he still a crocodile? Is he a lizard? You know, there were those sort of sentiments that are taking place within the country to say where does he stand around this volume of insults continuously being issued against him and directly head on uh, as a leader of this uh, faction within ZANU PF. So I think you want some sympathy uh, from 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 certain quarters of the public uh, with regards to to the insults that are being issued against him. Okay, there's more. I'll get to more calls in a second. 0891-104-207. And I've also encouraged voice notes. If you want to send them, just go ahead and do so. Here's one. We saved 22% on the cost of this radio ad by recording it on a cell phone with no music, no sound effects, no producer, no fuss. You could also save up to 22% on your life insurance premiums by going direct to One Life. No paperwork, no medicals, and no increasing your premiums for 24 months. Plus, if you get an obligation-free quote now before the 9th of December 2018, you stand a chance to win your share of 100,000 Rand. SMS Life to 44143. One Life. Changing lives. SMS rates and T's and C's apply. One Life is a trusted authorized FSP. Watch EFC in Cape Town live this Saturday at Grand West with two epic title fights. The notorious champion Nkazamulo Zulu is challenged by the undefeated star Gary Joshua and Lutando Biko will be tested against a dangerous threat from the UK, Cal Eleanor. EFC Cape Town this Saturday at Grand West. Watch it live on SABC3 brought to you by SABC Sport. Hashtag SAFM Viewpoint. All right, uh, that voice note that, of course, should have been played then will be played now. Hi, Ashtrath and South Africans. Yeah, I, I read a summary of the book, and I'm so interested to hear to the author about how uh, the crocodile escaped from, from uh, Robert Mugabe. It was so interesting, and also the involvement of uh, Nangawa, the, the junior, and also Mr. Maposa. It, it, it was so interesting and how they escaped with Range Rovers, you know, it's like, it, it's like a movie, how Mnangaga escaped from um, Mozambique to South Africa, you know, running away from, from, from uh, Robert Mugabe. So interesting and thanks for inviting the, the, the gentleman because I asked Naye to, to bring Mr. Maposa, a businessman who is in South Africa, to just to come and relate the story for us. Thank you very much. Eddie from Odinus Res. All right, there we are. Eddie, thanks for that. Saying interesting things. I'll get to Godfrey in a second. Let's maybe just touch on that uh, uh, because, in effect, he's making reference to the fact that having fallen from favor at that period, he had to he had to flee, right? Yes. And he came to this country. Mm-hmm. T- tell us what happened there. So we, we, the book... Um, interviews and as much as possible tries to to talk to primary uh, people or people who were close to Mnangako and his son uh, who is mentioned uh, and interviewed in this book his name is Collins Mnangako mm-hmm. and he was with his father uh, right up until he crossed uh, the border in Mozambique so he recounts um, the emotional imbalance that his father goes through, uh, you know, once he gets uh, wind of the fact that he's been fired by Robert mm, Mugabe 48 yeah. hours later mm. after, uh, you know, uh, uh, the threat has been issued in Bulawayo at that rally. And so Mnangagwa uh, tells his sons and huddles together and says, look, um, there are plans or I've received a tip off to the effect that uh, there are plans to eliminate me. They are going to arrest me. Then I'm going to, to be uh, 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 injected with something. And then it will appear as if uh, I hung myself while I was still in prison cells, you know. So acting basically on this tip off, they make a plan to 
to leave the country and uh, to to make sure that he's out of uh, this harm's way. Mm. So this is what the son recounts to me uh, in terms of how they traveled. They drove uh, uh, to just let's let's pause on that because I just want to get clarity on this here. Mm. Uh, so that was the tip off. What, was it true that in fact? He would have been detained and he would have been poisoned or something to make it come across that he would have this this is himself. this this is the tip off uh, that he was acting on there's no um evidence whatsoever that can be produced to say you know this is something that can be substantiated but this mm. is what Nangako uses you know as the reason for him to make sure that he leaves the country and then he tries to huddle together some sort of support because at the time he's uh, he's no longer the vice president and relies on his sons to assist him in this daring escape uh, out of Zimbabwe okay. fleeing the country we'll get more of that escape in a moment i just want to pick out uh, Godfrey's thoughts from Hermanus i'll get to the escape in a second Godfrey you're on the air Go ahead, hi. Uh, hello, Ashraf. Yeah, good talking to you. You're on the air. Yeah. You know what, Ashraf? Yeah. In Zimbabwe, there's never been a political party, but a mafia. Zambia is a mafia. Full of cronies and murderers. You understand what I mean? I'm, I'm listening. I'm all ears. There's never yeah. been a political party. It's there's mafias. Never, since 1980. Okay. Yeah, they, 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 they've never been a, a political party in Zimbabwe. Okay. It was a mafia. All right. You know, we're under the mafia. Okay, Thank got you. that. Th- thank you for that. Uh, re- respond to that. There's never been a political party that's been the mafia. We are under the control of the mafia. Well, ZANU-PF is a political party. I... I don't know if uh, I could call it a mafia, uh, but it is the political party that's in power. It's been in power for the past uh, 38 years. You know, they operate uh, in a mafia sense, I guess that's what uh, the caller is suggesting. But I think in terms of uh, that there is a political party, uh, it can be disputed that they're a political party. And, and, and Which means what? If they, if they were not a political party, they would be locked up in another, in another country. They would be locked up, locked up for organized crime. In effect... Yeah, in effect, if we're saying they're mafia-like, yeah, if 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 that is what uh, you know the the the, the casting of Zanu PF uh, by the caller suggests, you know, but I think they are a political party. They've been in the political space for for you know for the past forty years or you know thirty eight years okay. or so. So it's 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 really you know I think is is opinion, but it's a political party uh, by and large. I mean, but but can we say? And I think you, you're almost suggesting that, that it's a political party. That's a fact. Mm-hmm. But there are serious strands of that political party where, where the modus operandi outside the very official uh, acting with decorum has mm-hmm. been, you know, operating as hit squads. Can, can we say that? Am I off the mark? They operate, I would say, there's a parallel system. I would, I would definitely agree with that. Uh, to that effect that there seems to be a parallel system in terms of how they operate mm-hmm. uh, as a political party, um, you know, loyalties, because you would look at it and say there's a sitting president who is elected, but there are loyalties that have shifted from a president who is elected to his deputy, you know, so you're wondering what kind of dynamics are at play, you know, because you have the leader of the party, you have the leader of government who is elected, Robert Mugabe, who is there. And then you have loyalties that are shifting to his deputy. What is taking place underneath that we can't see, you know, then we can come to this, uh, you know, uh, a session that there seems to be mafia uh, tendencies okay. or behavior. Let's just, let's complete the story of this this overland journey then to South Africa. So he um, he manages to 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 leave uh, Zimbabwe uh, through an illegal crossing point, Mary Mount, uh, mainly 
due to the assistance of the military you know Mnangako himself has given his own version of 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 of, of mm. events to say how he left the country on the run you know fleeing from this threat that was going to to the threat of being assassinated in effect and um he leaves the country eventually assisted by the military because the military then are the enablers in this entire story and in this book that i put together the military are the people that actually then elevate him without their hand it's impossible to actually have seen him uh you know assuming that role and uh, coming so into would, office. He, would he not have been would he not have succeeded in getting into exile without the military and would he not have succeeded in becoming the president at that stage without the military i think the 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 question that was plaguing Zanu PF was a political question back in in 2017, and this was all taking place within the party. But then the military enters into the fray to become the king makers or to make a decision on what direction the party is going to play. Because remember, Ashraf, at the time it appeared and looked as if Nangako's political career had come to a dead end. Mm, Everything mm, was mm. done and finished with them. Yeah. But all of a sudden there's a new lease of life because what happens? The military comes out onto the streets. They're issuing a statement to Zanu to say, stop these purges, stop firing people. You know, and it tips the scales, you know, against Robert Mugabe and in favor of Nangako. Why, why did they do that? Well, they were invested, remember, with Mnangako. Mnangako is also a military man. Remember, he has a history uh, of also being involved uh, with the army. He was uh, um, not only the, the defense minister between 2009 to 2013 um, when, uh, during the, the, the time of the unity government, you know. So it's seen during that time he had very close ties, you know, within the people and in the structures within the army. And so he's one of them. Uh, he's got also a military training as well and the background there. So he's one of the military people he's one of them and uh, you know he's in trouble and uh, his friends step out and come out to okay. assist him we'll, we'll investigate that more so can can we say and i'll get to kgm in a second can we say then to um to, to, to sort of flip around sefudi's comments there are no permanent friends in politics that uh but it certainly helps if you have the army on your side as a friend definitely okay there we are kgm you're on the air go ahead hello good evening good, good evening to your guest good and talking to the to you. thank you my point of departure always when we talk politics is that mm. politics is not just a dirty game. Uh, politicians themselves, because of the nature of politics, they've got to lie for a bit. Uh, and they've got to create what on, on TV we would call fiction. They are fictionalists of note. And, and I've noticed that uh, of late, even, even journalists um, who report on politics they also have now joined the fray of becoming fictionalists. Um, I mean, it's amazing how you, you, you listen to journalists talking about uh, a lie that is concocted by politicians and they make us as the public believe it. Uh, so which, what, what, are, what are you talking about? Which one? Well, I'm, I'm talking about Mangaba. Mangaba was, was uh, Robert Mugabe's son, uh, so-called the second right-hand man, for a very long time. He's just a, a younger crocodile, if anything. The Zanu the, the PF in Zimbabwe, uh, for a long time, was under the rule of uh, Mugabe and, and, and Mangaba himself. Almost the same thing that happened with Becky and, and Mandela. You remember Mandela at the time, he even confessed to have been a ceremonial president when mm, Becky mm. was actually administering the country. It's the same thing with Zimbabwe. And us in South Africa, he challenges this with us. We are gullible, and you know why we're gullible, uh, Ashraf? 
we 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 watch everything on TV and we think that that is that is true. We we are so much into fiction. We we fail to even just cross the border to Zimbabwe and and get to know things for ourselves. And my last comment. You remember when when uh, Zimbabwe was said to be going down the drain? Mm-hmm. There was a, a clip that they used to play uh, uh, with with uh, cupboards in the shops, not having food. When my yep. brother make a, a comment that people are saying there's no petrol in Zimbabwe, let them lie on the on the road and see if they won't be uh, hit by the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's because we gullible. We 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 are failing to to challenge these politicians. I mean. We had an illegitimate president in 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 Mnangagwa in Zimbabwe. There's many of them. We only see and talk about Mnangagwa. We, we can come here at home. It's the same situation. You can go to Namibia. It's the same situation. Botswana is the same situation. So in general, my my challenge to your to your, to your guest can, can I'm not saying his book is not authentic. I haven't even read it or anything. Mm-hmm. But I like how how he said, he talks about how what Munangagwa said can't be collaborated. But the challenge is, if it's written, especially when we take into consideration the, the standard of understanding and, and education of our people in the region and Sadek, whatever they see on TV, whatever they read, they, they perceive it to be factual. Okay. How do we then get help in as far as that? Okay. Rectify and talk All right, got that. Thank you for that uh, call. That's KGM uh, saying interesting things. Uh, Ray uh, Ndlovo is the is is a journalist, Sunday Times uh, journalist in Zimbabwe, but also now the author of a book called In the Jaws of the Crocodile. Uh, respond to that. Well, I think the book interviews primary players. This mm. is not uh, you know from a journalistic point of view made up stuff from me where. I sit down and decide that, no, this is the narrative that I'm going to pursue. Um, like I've already mentioned to you earlier on, I use the strength of people that are willing to speak to me on the record. The first thing that I try to do is to, as much as possible, make sure that the people that I interview are speaking to me on the record. And so they're identifiable. And this is a narrative that comes from them to say what transpired because we are trying to piece together, you know, the events of November. We're trying to make sense and get an understanding. So, so, so two things. It's not an opinion piece. It's, it's not. Book, it's right? not an. It, uh, which, which is what what others may not, because we all have opinions about things. Uh, you saying it's based. I mean, it's 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 based on actual evidence from the people, and and you have no reason to doubt them. No, uh, this based from interviews. Yeah. I interview these people myself. So these are interviews, and people are telling me that this is what we did. This is how we're involved. This is what we put together. This this so so these are primary witnesses who are players in different ways in trying to assist Mnangako at the time. So there's no uh, bounce back to me to say, oh, Ray, you created these things or, you know, you, you are in cahoots mm. with these people because I'm a journalist and I'm interviewing them and saying... Okay, Out, what outside of that, the other part that KGM brought up, which was that, uh, you know, maybe not in this case with you, but, but the point that we, we, we are too gullible. I mean, he's used that word about four times. I think there's a need to, to test um, the all news there's a need to test or everything basically you know uh, especially in this era that we're in a fake news you know mm-hmm. you can't just take it all at once and say oh well this is uh, you know the gospel truth i think there's definitely a need to to test it further you know i expect other writers from zimbabwe elsewhere you know for that matter to then also 
uh, come up with other interpretations of uh, of November, they may not be the same as mine. You know, they may not uh, you know uh, meet somewhere. But I think it's it definitely builds onto giving us a better understanding of what actually transpired uh, in Zimbabwe well, last b- year. Bottom line, you need to buy this book in the jaws of the crocodile, and then buy other books and do some other reading. And and, and if you know Zimbabweans, you need to do your own research with them and talk to them to understand what happened. In November, what is it? Five or six days in September. There was the other book about the changes in South Africa, but there's certainly that uh, position in uh, November. Here's another voice note. Good evening, Ashraf, and your guest, Stapelongozu in Plumfantin. Ashraf, I don't know. I haven't read the book, but I'm looking forward to it. Of course, I just want to know from the guest in his book: Is there anywhere where he clarifies? Where is Emerson Monangakwa taking the economy of Zimbabwe? What is his plan? Has he ever discovered that? I, I want to know because the way he took over from Robert Mugabe, it means that he has a lot of plans for Zimbabwe. Thank you. Okay. Well, there you are. That question will... Uh, will okay, let's just pause on that for a second. Uh, so, so let's just finish up. So he's in South Africa. Uh, don't forget, we will talk about the economy now because it's a big issue. Sure. Um, and and then then it's very clear the military supports him. What, was it primarily because they were friends, or or were they in 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 South African terms they the military were were hatful really of they were, they were fed up of of having this president who had just overstayed his visit. Which one was it? I think there's no clear cut uh, answer to that question, Ashraf, because. Like I've already mentioned earlier on, there was the dynamics of the faction fights within ZANU-PF. And to an extent, there's a narrative then that was playing out in Zimbabwe at the time that Grace Mugabe has her own sights and her own eyes at the presidency. Mm -hmm. She is eyeing to become the president. So there is a lot of emotions running high. And the fact that now she's caused this, uh, you know, this firing of Emerson Nangako to take place. And I think the, the feeling is then if Emerson Nangako can be targeted, uh, that means we are next because we we definitely are friends and it's known that we are, we are, we, we, we 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 work we work with him together you know so there is almost a preemptive strike uh basically to to prevent this um possible uh, takeover of power or uh, I, I remember at the time there was a lot of talk about a Mugabe dynasty beginning to mm-hmm. be formed you know mm-hmm. so does the military step in basically to stop this possibility of a dynasty you know uh, uh, emerging within and would you would you know would you know definitively or, or, or is that this is the narrative this is the narrative which is playing out at the time in yeah. in Zimbabwe uh, because there's a lot of heightened uh, tensions between the factions and Grace Mugabe is saying look we want this position that Nangako you are occupying it belonged to the women's league and she's mm-hmm. throwing these suggestions that what can stop me as well from being you know the president uh, because I'm a Zimbabwean and anyone who's a Zimbabwean is allowed so there's all this that feeds into you know unease uh, and suspicions and uh, you know, it ultimately leads to where we are, okay. and and uh, that's what we then let's, see. Let's then for, well, the last thing on that part, can can we say that it was a coup? It was a coup, no question about it. There's no question about it because it resulted in the fall of one leader and the rise of another, and it was done not through a vote. It was not a vote, yeah. and, and it was not through is, a vote. Is that disputed by anybody? There's no dispute around that. There is a chapter in the book where. I interviewed an, a, a, a diplomat from the Western community who admits and says, look, this was a coup, but we decided to look the other way. 
and we decided not to call it a coup because we wanted to give this thing a chance. They were fed up uh, by Mugabe. Remember, you know the history between the West and Robert Mugabe yeah, and the tensions there. And this was a perfect cover and a perfect opportunity to, to, to let this thing play out. And they wanted to see where is this thing going to go, what is going to take place. And uh, you, there was a very, very... Um, careful choice of words when the army uh, general appeared on state TV that night uh, 15 November, mm -hmm. you know, he makes a very careful choice of words to say this is not a military takeover we are just carrying out an operation you know, to to make sure that the, 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 the president is safe or just targeting criminal elements around him you know, so these words begin to take form in, 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 the, in the discourse in Zimbabwe of military uh, transition, uh, military assisted uh, intervention, military it's intervention. It's a nice watered down. It's watered down. None of, <laughs> none, none of uh, you know, okay. no one let's, calls let's, it as Let's that. fast forward then to, to the election um, in July. Um, what, what is your take on what happened there? There was also huge speculation about, again, interference and votes being rigged. But ultimately, you know, there was some delay, but, but the man's in power. The election is definitely a very touchy point because um, um, remember that Emerson Nangako was going to then be facing, you know, voters for the very first time because, yeah. you know, he never contested an election. Mm. And his rival, very much a younger uh, challenger, um, Nelson Chamisa, mm. just turned 40 mm. in February and uh, taking over the largest opposition party in, in Zimbabwe. And um, he came in at a time when the MDC really was at its lowest ebb, but managed, you know, to, to revive it and infuse some strength into it and uh, by and large giving uh, a run for 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 for, for for the money, you know, in terms of uh, the incumbent uh, was there. Mm -hmm. And this is a very, very close call. And up to today, you know, there's a question of saying, you know, by what margin or how big was it in terms of uh, the defeat that uh, 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 that uh, Nelson Chamisa had at the hands of, uh, uh, of uh, Emerson Nagaba. Do you think the vote was rigged? There's no proof of any rigging, uh, you know, so it's a... And it's a it's a claim which can't be backed because there's nothing which has been presented and uh, you know there's nothing. But, but do you have an opinion or was that difficult? I do have an opinion. I think the MDC did very well. I think they they definitely uh, gave a run for the money. Uh, you know to Zanu PF. To what extent they were able to swing um, you know all the votes. You know is something that can only be speculative because ZANU-PF does have a lot of support in the rural areas and traditionally the opposition has strength in, uh, in, the, in the urban areas. So that's sort of like a swing and that tradition for me, you know, it makes it very difficult mm. to, to make an assertion to say if they lost, was it by the margin that they lost by? If they won genuinely, you know, was it by that margin? So there are all these questions that still linger around the election itself to say, you know, w what was really the outcome. What is, two, two things, what, what does this say? So assuming there was no rigging on, on, on a massive scale that could change an election, right? What does this then say about Nelson Tomisa in terms of him being like, what an opportunity. There's, suddenly there's a, there's a mass disappointment about Zanu Piep and there's such a chance to take over and yet you don't. I think he's definitely disappointed. Mm. There's uh, definitely disappointment. Not only disappointment, there's anger. I think he was very close uh, uh, in terms of uh, getting into power in that respect because the votes themselves, the number, the tally of, 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 of numbers, is just almost two million apiece between himself mm -hmm. and, uh, and Emerson Nangako. So it's a very, it's a very good performance 
given the fact that he only took over the running of the party about five months before an election and is able to get two million and almost, you know, match pound for pound what uh, the winner gets. So he did very well. So he's definitely uh, likely to be in a, in a spot of disappointment and also anger at the fact that he didn't manage to go all the way. Okay, more to more to come, and we've got about 10 more minutes to go with uh, Ray Inglovo as our uh, big hitter for the night. He's from Zimbabwe. He's, the, he's a writer, he's a journalist for, for the Sunday Times in Zimbabwe, but very importantly, he's put together a book called In the Jaws of the Crocodile, and uh, I'll post some pictures of the book just now, but the, that book is available throughout the country, so make the point of getting it, whether you're Zimbabwean or whether you're South African, because either way, what happens next door has a very definite impact on where we are as a country, so you need for yourself to fully understand and what really happened in that country um, exactly just about one year ago. It is not just any race. It is the historical tour of Soweto, the people's race, the old mutual Soweto marathon, a movement greater than yourself. Be part of this action on SABC Sport. Tune in to SABC One and your favorite SABC radio station on Sunday, the 4th of November, 2018 at 5.30am from the FNB Stadium. The People's Race. Proudly brought to you by SABC Sport. For the love of the game. 8 to 10pm, The Viewpoint with Asraf Garda. Right, Ray in Global, the author of In the Jaws of the Crocodile with us. Ray, just your, w- w- what's happening between Robert Mugabe, Joyce, or rather Grace, right, and, 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 and Manangagwa, because what happened after election? Lots of things were said, A, at the time of the coup, and then now. What's the, what's the relationship, and where does Chamisa come in all of this? Again, like we've already said uh, tonight, it's a very the, uh, the callers say they're no they're no permanent friends. You know, mm. alliances keep shifting. <laughs> you know, uh, we thought they were done and over with. You know, after Robert Mugabe is forced out and he resigns uh, from 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 office in November last year, and um, Mugabe uh, later on on the eve of the elections themselves, you know, he, he has a press conference which I attended and I mentioned that mm. in the book, yeah. where he basically says, "Look, I'm not going to." To, to vote for for my tormentors, those are his words. I'm not going to vote for Zanu PF. I'm not going to vote for for the, for, that, yeah, yeah. for the person who is uh, the candidate for Zanu PF. And you know, it seemed like the tensions were still at an all-time high. Uh, but then again, um, a funeral takes place. Grace Mugabe loses her, her mother, mm. and uh, Nangako comes to assist the family, and they are bereaved. And then now they sing a different song, and they are praising him and saying, you know, we recognize you that you won the election. You were elected by the people. And, uh, you know, they wish him well. And, uh, you know, this is also he reads out uh, at his inauguration on the 24th of August, uh, rather a statement that comes from the former president wishing him well in his new term of office. So these things are, uh, you know, they, they, they just miss with you to say one moment they are fighting one moment, you know, it appears they've smoked the peace pipe. is, Is that because in the past, he wanted to stay in power to safeguard the future, uh, the past rather, uh, and defend the past. But now Mugabe's position now is in fact to safeguard the future for himself. 
perhaps not for himself, maybe for his children, yeah. for his wife. You know, there could be that consideration to say, look, let's just accept what is transpired. Trans- transpired. We may not agree with it in principle, but it has happened and an election has taken place and this is, these are the results of the election and we'll go with that. So there could be far much more, you know, uh, uh, wider considerations from, from the Mugabe family. In, in the South African terms, there's a sense that the, the, the former president of our country, uh, Jacob Zuma, has sufficient support at national level that that ensures that the current and incumbent Ramaphosa is is relatively hamstrung, like almost a 51-49% support. Uh, Are are there uh, strains of influence that Robert Mugabe has in, in the leadership of Zimbabwe now? I think he still has his supporters within Zimbabwe, he has supporters within ZANU-PF. There's no doubt, you know, having presided over the country for that long, mm. you're definitely going to find your own people and build people who are supportive of you. Um, where the difference for me lies in is the fact that I think he's definitely moved away from the public, uh, you know, clear where Jacob Zuma would make appearances at different functions. You still see him moving about and, you know, really you can see the constituents that he commands, Robert Mugabe. Mm. I think the the very limited appearances that he has been in public, the most uh, recent being obviously the 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 the, not the 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 press conference that he gave on the eve of the elections and also going out to vote where people were chanting his clan name uh you know saying come back we miss you and mm. those kind of mm. statements you know so i definitely think that he does have his people own people that support him but he's more or less you know really but there's, no, there's no is there no evidence of him interfering having people who can interfere in the governance of Zimbabwe. There doesn't appear to be anything, uh, you know, in terms of interference or himself, you know, uh, being involved. I, I'm not aware of any meeting that has uh, yet taken place between himself and Emerson Nangako up to now. Since November, there's been no, uh, you know, any 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 comment or anything officially about any of the does, two does men. Does that surprise you that they... So according to you, they haven't met. If they have, it's, it's, it's clandestine. Does it surprise you that they haven't met? It's surprising that um, Robert Mugabe would have wanted to because he made it very clear when he spoke first of all in March about uh, his ouster in November and he speaks about it and says, I want uh, Emerson to, 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 to make things right. I want him to be legitimate because he's not. We need to talk. We need to discuss. You know. So there seems to have been you know, that demand from the former president to say, I want an audience with mm. him. But uh, there doesn't seem to be anything that okay. suggests that there's been a granting of that wish. Let's, let's pick up in the few minutes remaining, uh, Ray, uh, regarding the economy, as per some of those callers. So, I mean, I remember talking about it a few weeks ago, and suddenly there was like Zimbabwe's in free fall. There's, there's a new cabinet, there's a new leadership, there's new promise, but actually those shelves are emptier than ever before. How true is that? What's the state of Zimbabwe as a country and economically? Zimbabwe is undergoing an economic, economic um, difficulty, economic meltdown. Um, I think it's definitely something that has been applied on on the current president Emerson Nangako because remember his uh, rise to power is anchored again on uh, fixing the economy mm-hmm. that has been the mantra you know Zimbabwe is open for business and fixing the economy so this definitely dents his crusade in terms of you know trying to attract um, um, foreign investment and trying to inspire confidence in the citizens that he has got he's got the ability to, to to bring about the change that people want so definitely for me 
what we've seen in terms of shortages in the supermarkets, price hikes, uh, the shortage of currency, U.S. dollars being in short supply mm. and fuel is, 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 is eating away at, uh, you know, what uh, he would have liked to see or like to carry out, uh, you know, as pays promise uh, when he took over office. But again, for me, these things are manifestation uh, of a crisis of confidence where there's a confidence deficit, you know, among the citizens to say, can ZANU-PF, you know, bring about the change that uh, mm. they claim to be able to, to be able to bring about. Do, do you get a sense that people are disappointed? There's disappointment because a year ago, uh, around about the same time as today, you know, when, when Mugabe falls from power, there was jubilation. I'm sure you saw the, yeah. the, the, the scenes and Absolutely. the pictures, you know, a lot of excitement and, uh, and people pouring out on the streets, you know, visible mm. uh, hope uh, in terms of that uh, there's a possibility of a new trajectory for the country. And that is really at its lowest point right now. We can't say the same right now. There's a lot of concern about where is the country going to. You know, there was hope that a new cabinet uh, would be able to infuse something, but there's still old faces and it, it, it eats away into this, um, this reform uh, agenda which uh, the new president is presenting where he would say that uh, you know he's talking right but he's walking left mm, you know mm. to say there's a gulf between what he wants what he's saying and what is obtaining on the ground and the change is not happening overnight and, and as quickly as many people would want to see and it's something that I mentioned uh, in the book as, as a final closing okay. chapter to say what next for Zimbabwe citizens will be disappointed because Nangakwa has sold this dream of, you know, he's going to be able to bring about a lot of changes, but it will not happen as quickly as he says, and people will be disappointed around that because they want to see okay. me. Well, change. more the detail on the what next, what next, you need to buy the book, absolutely. Uh, what's your thoughts on the, how is the relationship between Zimbabwe and South Africa changed with the new president? In fact, you've got two new presidents. You've got two new presidents. I think they have a very good relationship. I've got nothing that suggests otherwise. Um, Nangago has been to South Africa to visit, uh, you know, here as well. And um, President Ramaphosa also uh, attended his inauguration in Harare. And um, there's a lot of, you know, cordial relations. And I think it's only normal because South Africa is our largest trading partner from an economic point of view. And we need those relations. And, uh, you know, South Africa is also affected by whatever happens in Zimbabwe when there's a, a mess there. Absolutely, you know, yeah. so it spills la- down. La- lastly, uh, in, uh, what's the relationship between Zimbabwe and, and, and Great Britain? I'm just thinking about Mugabe's famous statements to Blair. You, know, you leave your, whatever he said, you keep mm-hmm. your, your England Blair and you leave with Zimbabwe. It was. Is that changing? There's been a change in terms of the relations, the, the politics, foreign politics in Zimbabwe. Uh, Britain is now warming up uh, much more to to the new administration. Uh, we've seen uh, them sending, uh, when uh, Nangako was inaugurated last year in November, a representative to attend that inauguration. We've seen uh, also the Minister of Africa coming to Harare earlier this year. And uh, basically, uh, Britain as well, uh, being at the front lines of trying to unlock economic uh, funding for Zimbabwe, the new finance minister, I think a couple of weeks ago, with the, with the former ambassador there, you know, talking about uh, deals and uh, working together with Britain to try and convince uh, funders to, to assist okay. Zimbabwe. Yeah. Well, we'll see whether Zimbabwe finally rocks once again. That's a, that's a key thing to think about. Appreciate your time, Ray. It's been a real pleasure and hopefully we'll chat to you even when you are in Zimbabwe and we'll chat about other things very current in your country. Ray Inglovo, uh, he's, he's a writer. You can follow him 
in the Sunday Times in Zimbabwe, uh, but then also the author now of the book, In the Jaws of the Crocodile. I'll post the book with pictures just now. Check it up on my timeline. You need to get the book. It's available in South Africa right away. Right, we will talk about another author, ironically, well, a writer, Jamal Khashoggi. You know that horrific story. The big question is, what does it mean for Saudi Arabia? We'll chat uh, to Tembisa Fakuri about that in a moment. Let's get the news. It's nine o'clock.